you don't ever leave with a broken relationship. That relationship, even when there's that thing between you, is going to bind you. You let the thing between you bind you, not break you. That's Cynthia McCowan, this week's guest on Everywhere Radio. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly, and I'm your host, Whitney Kimball Coe. Each episode, I spotlight the good, scrappy, and joyful ways rural people and their allies are building a more inclusive nation. Before we get to Cynthia, I'd like to talk about the Rural Assembly Everywhere virtual event that will be held May 10th and 11th. It's for rural advocates and the rural curious, listeners and leaders, neighbors and admirers. We'll enjoy two days of virtual programming featuring artists and poets, civic leaders and experts. You can register for free at ruralassembly.org. Cynthia McCowan wants Black lives to become more visible in Athens, Tennessee. That's what she told her local newspaper when describing why she took the lead to create a new online video series called The Conversations of Black Folk. The video series was launched during Black History Month in collaboration with the local arts center, Athens Area Council for the Arts, and it features local Black voices and their allies in conversation, sometimes painful conversation, about how we reckon with historic and ongoing harm to BIPOC communities in rural Tennessee. You can watch the Conversations of Black Folks series on YouTube. There are four episodes, and you'll hear local elders and youth, black and white, reflecting on the history of race in Athens, challenging softer community narratives about race relations, and remembering Freehill, the black community that was established in Athens in 1854 by a group of free blacks and was then razed to the ground in the 1960s as urban renewal efforts took hold. Cynthia McCowan's belief in open and honest dialogue is something that she's known for in Athens. And I can attest to that because Athens, Tennessee is my hometown too. We're a small rural city situated near the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. Of the nearly 15,000 souls in our town, about 9% identify as black or African-American. And all my life, I've understood that there is a silent but palpable disconnect between the white community and our black neighbors. And no doubt that's why the Conversations of Black Folk series captivated me and so many others in our community. I'm really grateful to Cynthia for saying yes to this conversation with me today. There's much we could cover um, and I'm really going to try to back it in because when I'm in conversation with Cynthia McCowan, I feel like everything she shares is important. So Cynthia, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I just think you're, you're kind of all the things you're, you're everywhere in Athens. I see you all the time and I want our listeners to know that, um, you're a mother, you're a grandmother, um, you're a community participant and activist, um, you're in community theater a lot, and you're a member of the board of the Athens Area Council for the Arts. You're just so rooted in our community. And I want to know from you where that drive comes from. I think it's being settled. I have not been settled um, and didn't have a real um, goal. And I finally settled here with my children in a place where where there were no um, black people hardly. And the ones I met seemed to be without a connection. It just, it broke my heart. 
So I was driven and I am still driven to connect the people here together as one, black and white, because the disconnect is like you say, it is palpable, but it's almost as if they don't even realize um, that it exists. It is a culture here that's totally different. And the culture is not a bad one, but it's missing some elements. And this is a beautiful, beautiful place. I've met beautiful people, but I need them to be cohesive and to connect. And I don't know, I can't explain it, but there's something in me that feels like it could be complete and we need to work at it and not be afraid to do it. Um, so that drives me and I have three grandchildren here. I don't want them to feel like they're disconnected. I don't want them to defer to whites. I don't want whites to ignore them. And I do believe it is not intentional. It's just cultural. They don't know that this is not the way it should be or that it could be any better. So we're here to do better. So every day when I wake up or at night when I lie down, I ask God to show me the next day. I'm sorry. What my love labor will be. What your love labor will be. Yeah. Because to love is not easy, not easy all the time. You know, it is difficult. But mm. the intention is to always do it, no matter what. And I, I've been introduced to, to being softer and kinder than I would normally be <laughs> when I met people like you. You're brave. You're bold, but it's it's a whole different recipe for doing that. And I admire that in you. And I and I and I've learned from it. So it's like God brought me here to learn all those things because there's something for us to do and we just need to be open open to doing that. And so I am appreciative of being used to do it and I don't want to make God unhappy. And I certainly don't want to piss him off. So yeah, so thank thank you for participating in my growth. And I have always meant to tell you that, but we don't see each other very often. Thank you. Well, certainly not since the pandemic um, began. We have we have not been gathering in the ways that we did before. Mm-hmm. Although I've been really impressed at how the our local art center has found alternative ways to keep people coming together in community, whether it's virtual or sometimes in person, sometimes outside. Um, and I think the the video series that you spearheaded, The Conversations of Black Folk, fits in that, in that storyline of pandemic. This is how we can still continue conversation um, because it's online. But, you know, going back to what you were saying about your granddaughters and your family and, um, and, you know, and this palpable disconnect that we feel in our community. Do you feel like the conversations of black folk um, are getting to that, that desire you have to make sure that black people are more visible in Athens, Tennessee? Has it been doing that? It it has, Um, you know, the feedback we've gotten from the people that have watched it here, actually, um, 
I was so thankful when Lauren asked me just one day in the office, like, hey, we want to try to do something different. We don't want to keep doing the same things and we don't want to not do anything just because we're in a pandemic. We we need to reach out. We need to keep and we want to involve um, the whole community. Mm-hmm. And so and that's she, Lauren Brown, the executive yeah, director Barbara, of the Arts yeah. Center. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this something near and dear to my heart is is storytelling because we're storytellers in my family. And stories to me are easier to do than acting because they're true, they're authentic. And and if you can tell a story, you can engage people and they'll remember that. And I've mentioned it to her a couple of times. And so this time uh, when we were trying to... um, I call it whirlwind, whirlwind, some ideas about what to do for Black History Month and having a whole different set of people in the room just made me happy because that was the beginning of connecting with people that don't normally come out of the shadows or out of their shells to participate. And they did. So I started thinking about it, like, how do we do it? I don't want to have just people sit on stage and talk because they're not comfortable with that. A lot of people aren't. Um, So what is the easiest way to get people together and have them feel comfortable enough to talk? And I thought, well, we can have conversations. Black people are good at just sitting around the kitchen table, eating and drinking and talking. And I was in the grocery store one day and um saw Linda Long, a community activist, civically <laughs> engaged up to here. And she said, Sid, and that's the way we talk. You know, we're going we gonna to talk about some stuff. Let's talk about Free Hill. And I said, okay, what about Free Hill? I said, and she said, well, no, nobody talks about Free Hill. Don't even really know what happened to it. And I have to apologize because I did not know the end either. I've been here 27 years. My ex-husband would, we'd pass there and he'd tell me, you know, that used to be a place where, you know, the black people live. And I'm like, oh, okay, free hill. So I made the connection. They had to be free to to be there, but he, he never uh, went in depth about it. He never expounded on it or said that he knew a whole lot about it. Uh, but she said, let's do free hill. I said, okay, let me do, uh, let me look into it. Do we have people here that still, that lived on Free Hill? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, really? I thought they were all gone. And she said, I lived on Free Hill. I'm like, you did? And she was like, yes. And so Free Hill came from Linda Long. That was her idea. Um, The second conversation, I was raised black, um, remembrance and reflection came from me because I think it's interesting to to take note of other cultures too and, and their stories. Like I like listening to the Appalachia stories and I think that's amazing. Or people that are from other countries, um, but being black is almost like, <laughs> like being from this whole little place yourself. And you want people to connect to that because then you find it doesn't matter. We all gonna have the same stories almost. And a lot of people think that we're so different because they don't hear or listen to the other groups or ethnic group or races. They don't listen listen to their stories. But it was Linda Long, myself, and Benita Montgomery. And she's originally from 
Mississippi also. They she and her husband Andre Montgomery, he works over at TWU. They've been here 18 years. And um she feels a lot like I do, and I think that's why we work well together. She would love to see us be more visible, more viable and more valuable to this community. To, mm-hmm. to this community and and that's that's what we're working toward. And that's where all of that came from. It wasn't just you know, it wasn't me. It was a it was us three ladies. Yeah, thank you for describing um, how it came to be. I think that is really important um, and how and, and the many voices that actually came to the table to collaborate to put this together. Um, I know the library participated a little bit too. The museum, I think, came mm-hmm. to the first planning meeting. Um, mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it really did feel like a community endeavor in a lot of ways. I also want to know if there, you know, throughout those conversations, if there were any surprises or kind of unintended conversations that began to happen that you feel like we could keep pursuing as a community? When we have the conversations of Black folk, um, the Free Hill series, what I learned at the end of that was how much pain they had embodied because of urban renewal. I've been looking for the origin of it. How did these Black people end up on this hill uh, free. It is. It's a hill. Yeah. And it's a hill in our town right next to the YMCA. Go up and down (laughs) over it. Yep. I'm like, how did they end up on this hill? Who would have bequeathed them this land? For right now, all we know is they ended up there and there were a few um, white families, really poor white families that ended up there. And it was a proud place to be. They were proud of it. They, They all owned their property and they owned their their land, um, it was a source of pride for them, even though most people would look at it and go, oh my gosh, why would you live in such a place? They they loved it. Um, and I'm passionate about Free Hill because I lived in a little tiny community where it was all black on my side of town, just like they were sequestered uh, in a safe haven of no segregation to fight to deal with when they were home. It was all black, all family, all love. They had to venture out of Free Hill to learn what racism uh, was really about when they kind of grew up on, to see it on a on a regular basis. They knew it existed, but they they loved that little place. And we're going to try to find out uh, how it started. We know how it ended. But that's the conversation that is going to always keep going. It's the conversation we re- we felt like needed follow up, as you mm-hmm. say. Because you, you know. talked about the pain that um, you heard in people's voices and in the conversation itself. And that pain stems from the raising of Free Hill to the ground um, yeah. because of urban renewal and all those families um, losing their land and their home. And that community of that's that secure community in that they felt um, they had, is that right? Yes, because these even when it it was and and I can relate to them have the same feelings because even when you ventured out of your community and you faced racism, you had a place to go back to that was safe, and that was not ever taken from me. I don't know how I would have survived. But it was actually just taken from them. And they still 
have trauma. They and they hold. Leslie Arnold was talking to me, the program director at the art center, and she watched the videos and she said she could tell they are still holding their traumas. They are they still live in a place where they defer to whites. They're not sure they can share this. Uh, they don't want to upset the white people, so they are holding their traumas close to them. Um, but they're just beginning. It was the beginning for them to to share it. They didn't want to, and I could feel it because I'm used to them after 30 years. They are very wary of what they say. They're they, they're very specific, and and they don't know how to. They're, it's like they're afraid to share, but they don't even know that that's the fear that they have. It's just, a, it's a habit. And it's so indicative of where we are as a country in general, in our, as we stumble and falter and try to figure out how to have these conversations um, that are uncomfortable and they're poking at things that are um, so woven into our identities and our histories and our you know, our, in our, in our traumas. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just interested in how it does feel like we are stumbling through this, but we are stumbling in the right direction. We'll be right back after this from the Daily Yonder. Hi, I'm Xander Brown with the Daily Yonder. Check out the Yonder Report, a new weekly podcast rounding up the latest rural news produced by the Daily Yonder and public news service. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to Everywhere Radio. I wanted to ask you about in 2020, we had a day where we honored, remembered, and raged about George Floyd's murder. Um, and uh, it was a coming together of the community. It was about 200 people. We met in Cook Park, which is a traditionally black neighborhood and park that mm-hmm. Linda Long um, stewards. Is the mayor of, yeah. Um, so, you know, like 200, I think, p- people showed up to um, to really acknowledge the harm, the hurt, um, the pain, and the growing pains that this country was going through. Mm-hmm. You were there, I think, and I wonder mm-hmm. if, you, if you sense that we are stumbling in the right direction or if things have, if, if that um, was a catalyst in any way that coming together in 2020 was a catalyst in any way for being able to have the conversations of black folk yeah. or, you know, is it, is it all pointing in the same kind of direction? I, um, I don't know that that was the catalyst. I think that was almost felt like a knee jerk reaction to me, but it was better than nothing. You know what I'm saying? It, it um, because I listen, I'm always listening. And Nothing new was said. Nothing definitive was said. There was no action defined that we will take. So I thought, this this looks good, but this, I don't know that this will actually do good. Uh, I think it uh, appeased some people, to, and, and not the people that put it together. I know they had the best of intentions, but I think most of the other people there had the same mentality or the same thoughts they'd always had. They're just talking. Nothing's going to happen. Um, and that made me sad because then nothing did happen. Well, and that, and it's easier to to accept that because nothing really bad is happening here. You know, we don't have 
a bunch of police brutality or killings or anything. Uh, we live in a pretty safe place. And it's not, there are not open, uh, there's not like incidents of open racism to deal with. We don't have a reference point for that. So you don't really know where your race relations are. You've, it's not been challenged. So you don't know if they're good or bad. So I, I said, wait till the Civil War comes here. Then we'll find out where everybody stands. Yeah, they, they, it was, the beginning of it was there was a lot of disappointment from Black people when George Floyd was killed because all over Facebook at the time they were uh, expressing that they were in shock that their white friends, coworkers, um, acquaintances didn't seem to really care about it. You know, and they were like, oh, I always thought so-and-so was a good friend of mine, or I always thought that they were not racist. I always thought this, that, the other great thing about them, only to find out that there was no empathy, and some of them were actually apathetic and wondering, like, what is the big deal? There was a lot of pain that was revealed in, in that uh, time, and but I told them that June was, look at you people, you just found out you're Black. You just found out in 2020 that you are actually black. And we need to go from there, not from a place of hate. You can be angry about it, but let your anger, anger fuel your fostering of better relationships. Don't go into it. Don't be angry when you're working at it. Let your anger just fuel it. But you got to work at it peacefully, you know, with love and understanding of why you're angry about it. It was not like a great thing, but it wasn't a bad thing. It was a thing, though, that well, I'm glad they did it. Yeah. yeah. It was in yeah, the right I mean, direction. It, it had the best of, yeah. And it was it was with the best of intentions. We need to do something. So I don't like to do knee jerk things, uh, even though I didn't see it do much right there. I was glad they they made the effort. Um, one of the speakers said um, when um, Blinks talked about, she asked everybody to come up that had that held a position or an office in uh, as a public servant here, and they were all white. And she said, "Just see, they're all white. There is no color in our government here, and we need to change that." Well, there were people that challenged her about saying that. They didn't like it. Black and white didn't like that because they're not used to the black folk here actually having those hard conversations, saying those things that might make people uncomfortable. And when she did it, I told her about it. I said, I was so proud of you because that was not something I expected you to do. Uh, and she's been doing it ever since, and, and I'm, I'm okay. happy about yeah. it. So Blink, uh, Francis Whit McMahon, is now a city council member, is one of the, I think, maybe the first African-American woman city council member yeah. we've ever she had is the, in Athens. Yeah, she's the first. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, something that I've always admired about you, continue to admire about you, is how you lean in to the discomfort as opposed to pulling back. Um, from it. And I've learned a lot from you on that. Something else I've learned a lot about from you is how to stay in relationship 
as you educate, push, challenge, and engage um, with your neighbors. And I wonder, you know, are there ever moments where you've thought, I just can't, I can't stay. I, I've got to pull back um, for myself, for my community. No. And I'm going to tell you something interesting. Yesterday, uh, like right now, I'm doing a lot of research about fruit, about Free Hill. Um, because the Free Hill community wants a new marker. There is a marker that's already there. It's in the wrong mm -hmm. place. And they were very unhappy about that. So we've been we've been having conversations about um, a new marker. Leave the marker there that's already there. And, and they don't like that. But I said, we can't worry about that right now. Um, the marker is not inaccurate. It's inadequate. The, the text is weak. Uh, it is in the wrong place, but it's okay. If we can get a marker that is actually on Freehill property, we'll be fine. And this marker will not talk about when Freehill was started and it was a great community. It's going to be not so nice. It's going to be titled Freehill and Urban Renewal. Why did they raise this little community? What was it for? And it was to give to the college and the and it's. So I found the information in the newspapers. Uh, I've been flipping newspapers and doing microfiche film or whatever you want to call it for several weeks. We had a meeting yesterday with um, the uh, vice president at the uh, at the university. The the v, the vice president there, he had no idea what that was about. None whatsoever. He was like, "What?" And so I we had to have the the difficult conversation. And I explained what urban renewal was and exactly what it did and what it did, what it failed to do. They made promises to those people that they did not follow through with. And when you remove a 60 or 70 year old person from a piece of land that they own, a house that that is theirs and you put them in public housing, that is where they will die. Without ever owning anything, they were stripped of their pride their community, their family. And he was like, oh my God, we like to talk about the pretty things, don't we? And this is him. And I'm like, yes, Grant, we do. He said, but we need to have, we need to have these hard conversations. We need to acknowledge it. And I'm going to see that we do that. And I'm like, Thank you very much. You know, don't know where that'll go because he's not the boss of everybody. But, you know, it's an effort. And when we got when I got home, Linda Long called me. I just want to take a moment to tell you that Linda Long grew up on Free Hill and is part of the effort to honor its history. She's a community servant in the truest sense and watches over Cook Park, the center of a historically black neighborhood in Athens. But most importantly, she makes good trouble. And she said, kind of what you said, she asked the same question with, how do you stay in relationship with people? And her words is, you're not afraid to talk black. Do you ever think that, are you ever afraid that you're, you've said too much, that you, you know, they're going to be upset with you or you're going to get uh, angry with them. She said, you stay, you know how to stay in a relationship, even when you're telling them things they may not want to hear. 
I said, because it's not about them. It's not about me. It's about whatever is between us. And we can work that out. I said, sis, you got to, no matter what, you have to love all the people, even when you disagree. And the thing between us should not be the thing that breaks us. So it's not difficult for me to stay in a relationship and be totally honest. I have, the art center has helped shaped me, even though I was 60 years old when I met them. They have shaped my narrative now and my perspective and my view and my approach. And with that approach, you don't ever leave with a broken relationship. That relationship, even when there's that thing between you, is going to bind you. You let the thing between you bind you, not break you. And she asked me that, you know, do you ever think that you would fall out of relationship with them? I said, I, I would hope not. How do you do that? How do you tell them difficult things? How do you talk about being black and what we deserve? And you're adamant, of, you know, you're you just say it. She said, you you sat in there and, and you told them, hey, we're not seeking vengeance, but we are damn sure seeking justice. And he was, they were okay with it. I said, why wouldn't they be? They understand the truth of it too. That is where learning to uh, address your fears when there really shouldn't be fears. No, no white person is, fo is forcing you to defer to them. You are choosing to do it. They are willing. I told them they're mostly are willing to work with you because there is, there is love in this community and I want to get to the core of it. Mm-hmm. It's just buried in a box. We we just gotta we gotta break the lock. Yeah, we gotta break the silence. Um, mm. That that silence. Well, Cynthia, um, gosh, I could just we could keep talking all day. Mm. Also about the arts and the importance of the arts and and uh, staying in a relationship and um, tending to the things that rest between us. Um, gosh, there's just so much. But I want to um, honor your time and also I hope. I'd love to have you back on or, and others from Freehill to talk about how this is coming to um, some sort of either resolution or justice, as you said. Um, I think there's, there's mm -hmm. a ways to go and we can keep following that um, and working for it. So yeah. one, one last question I always ask my guests before I, we uh, sign off is, is there any, um, are there any books or any um, shows or audio um, that you're listening to right now that is inspiring you, giving you hope? Um, is, it, is there anything you want to share uh, with the audience? Well, the radio? I, I, I re, I'm, re, I'm rereading Outlander, believe it or not. All <gasps> I love Outlander. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm reading the last one, uh, Tell the Bees That I Am Gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm reading that because it came out November 23rd. And now this is going to be weird. I know you think this is weird and it's okay. I'm good with weird. <laughs> it's, it's my normal. When I am feeling disconnected from what is gr good, I watch Star Trek Next Generation and Andy Griffith every day. <laughs> oh my gosh, Cynthia. No, that's when you watch Andy Griffith, aren't the, the morals of the stories are just, they're things we need to be holding on to now. And the next generation, Star Trek Next Generation, is so inclusive. It is just amazing to see the power of women on that show. 
the mm-hmm. power of other races. It covers all, it is DEI at its best. So I am inspired by John Luke Picard and him. <laughs> I want to yeah. watch it every night. Oh, Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation. Y'all heard it here. Uh, <laughs> go watch it. Yeah. Rewatch it. Love it. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I'll talk to Thank you soon. Thank you for having me. You're a joy. Thank you. That's all for this week's show. I want to remind you to register for the Rural Assembly Everywhere virtual gathering that will be held May 10th and 11th. It's for rural advocates and the rural curious, listeners and leaders, neighbors and admirers. We'll enjoy two days of virtual programming featuring artists and poets, civic leaders and experts. You can register for free at ruralassembly.org. If you enjoyed Everywhere Radio, we'd love for you to consider subscribing to the General Rural Assembly newsletter. That's where we promote new offerings from the Assembly, and we amplify the good work of our many partners across the country. We've also launched a new policy advocacy newsletter that comes to inboxes on Mondays to help you start each week with a quick take on the top issues that we're tracking across the nation. Everything from broadband policy to rural vaccinations. Just head over to ruralassembly.org to sign up. If you're a true fan of Everywhere Radio, please let us know by rating us wherever you get your podcast. If this isn't your cup of tea, that's no biggie. It's fine. And we'd like to thank our media partner, The Daily Yonder. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly. Our senior producer is Joel Cohen, and our associate producers are Xander Brown and Teresa Collins. And we're grateful for the love and support of the whole team at the Center for Rural Strategies. Love you. Mean it. You can be anywhere. We'll be everywhere.